In conjunction with the 50th year anniversary of the Title IX legislation, welcome to North Florida Athletics' Talking Title IX series, where we interview current and former UNF student-athletes and staff on the influence of college athletics in their lives and the ongoing impact made by Title IX. Enjoy. A different format, uh, a couple guests today, head women's soccer coach Eric Faulkner, assistant coach for women's basketball, Khadija Rushton. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. So before we get into kind of the discussion portion, you guys will be able to bounce ideas back and forth uh, off of each other, talk a little bit about, you know, coaching in your respective sports and how Title IX has influenced your sports. Yeah, uh, so Khadija Rushdan, everyone knows me as, as KD. I'm originally from Wilmington, Delaware. I uh, went to Rutgers University to, to play college basketball, and I've been at UNF now. I just completed my fourth season going into my fifth. Yeah, Eric Faulkner, born in New Jersey, spent the first 10 years of my life in, right outside New York City, and then moved to Naples, Florida. It's a little bit of culture shock between the two. Um, and um, went to Florida State University, got my bachelor's and master's there, and uh, um, been at UNF as the head coach since uh, 2019. But was there that intention that you wanted to either work or play in college athletics? Uh, not for me. <laughs> um, Initially, no. Uh, uh, playing, I did not have any intention on on coaching whatsoever. Um, but after I had hurt myself and tore my ACL for the third time with uh, with basketball, playing professionally, I decided to, to step away from it. I actually worked at a bank for four years um, in corporate America, which is uh, very different. Um, but during that time, I was coaching at my high school, and during that time, there was a there was an itch that was still there, a void that I feel like hadn't been filled yet. And so as I was doing that, um, I started deciding, you know what, this is something that I may want to do long term. So I actually went back to Rutgers, worked on my master's degree, and uh, tried to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And it ended up being coaching. So. Yeah, I guess on my end, I never really thought I was going to be in coaching. Um, wasn't what I you know, envisioned. Um, when I was young, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. But I didn't go to school for that. I actually got involved in politics and worked in that realm before I even got involved in full-time coaching. And I coached in club soccer in high school when I was in college and just a little bit after that. Um, but it wasn't my intent to ever get into coaching. And if I thought I was going to get into sport eventually, I actually thought it would be administration. So it's kind of interesting how I ended up on that path. But when I was young, young, I wanted to be on TV and do sports broadcasting. And, and uh, so I occasionally get a chance to do that on a rare occasion when people need me to fill in. So. To a little bit more about that um, time that you played at Rutgers and then going and playing professionally and getting drafted, of course. Just go into some of those successes and those high moments and some of those low moments, too, just to give context. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, obviously playing for a Hall of Fame coach, C. Vivian Stringer, it was uh, a wealth of knowledge that I was able to, uh, to get during my time there. Um, had a lot of highs and lows. I mean, um, was able to play in a NCAA tournament. Um, every that year that I was there, uh, my first year as a freshman, um, made it to the Final Four. The year before that, they had played in the national championship. So was able to surround myself with a lot of talent and be able to learn a lot of different things. Um, obviously, unfortunately, the, the, the career for me was plagued with quite a few injuries. I think in college, I ended up having uh, three knee surgeries. Um, and so um, that was a battle in itself, but I think it really was able to teach me a lot about myself in terms of my character and my perseverance and just being able to be resilient and push through things. Um, obviously was still fortunate enough to, to get drafted 
um, and have a short career uh, playing professionally due to the injuries, but um, so much knowledge, so many relationships that I can take that have helped me in my career today. So it was uh, an incredible experience for me and one that I will carry with me as I continue throughout my uh, coaching. You know, I went to school in Tallahassee for the sole purpose of being around the Florida legislature and that type of thing. So right after college, I worked for a U.S. senator for a while, and uh, that was really interesting and uh, a great experience. And then I kind of did some things to some different uh, organizations in Tallahassee with uh, the Florida legislature. Um, during that time, I was coaching. I, was, I coached high school. I was a boys' JV coach and assistant uh, boys' coach, and I didn't do much on the female side at that point. Um, and then um, I had an opportunity, a, a friend of mine in town was involved with the minor league uh, sports uh, uh, indoor soccer league. Um, and I had an administration background and they asked me if I wanted to come over um, and, uh, and be the deputy commissioner of the league at 26 years old. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I've always wanted to get into sports, um, but I wasn't currently working at it. So I kind of made that career pivot. Again, not thinking I was going into coaching. I think, okay, this is an administration job. I'll actually be in state administration. So, um, and that was interesting, you know, working in an indoor uh, minor league um, with the ups and downs of minor league sports, especially in the 90s, where it wasn't, had that niche that it has now. now. And uh, but I learned a lot about that. Um, but as most soccer leagues um, back then, uh, typically happened it failed uh, after two seasons and so uh, that's when kind of I made that pivot into college coaching but it wasn't what I intended to do obviously coming out of, of college um, you know I was going to go and work in Washington DC someday and do all that kind of stuff so um, so different different you know it's funny where life takes you sometimes in your career path when you least expect it. How have those experiences kind of informed your perspectives and um, methods of coaching um, and there have been I gave it all to Coach Stringer. Um, you know, being a point guard in itself, um, an extension of the coach, there was a certain type of connection and relationship that was needed, and she challenged me and forced me to look beyond myself, forced me to understand sport in a sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself. And as I mentioned before, it's it's been things that have carried, I've carried on with me in coaching, that I've carried on with me in my life and you know I, I credit her um, again just being able to challenge me in ways that I wouldn't have thought about before not only as a as a coach but who I am as a woman who I am as a wife a mother um, so many so many life lessons and I think that's what you want um, in a coach someone who can be um, uh, an umbrella of all the different things that you'll experience in life and that's exactly what she was for me now I've had mentors along the way but in terms of kind of spearheading me getting into coaching and, and being in athletics, um, I give all the credit to her. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was just getting an opportunity to work in sport, um, you know, with, with someone believing in me and saw something in my background that could help um, a minor league, uh, indoor league get off the ground and have some success and, and so forth. And so just that, that opportunity there. But from a coaching perspective, um, you know, my first opportunity to coach was as a, as a, on the men's side, was a volunteer assistant at a, a small NAIA school in South Georgia. Um, and I ultimately became the women's coach there the following year. And um, I think the benefit for me was being at such a small place. I, I learned so much. Um, as you know, I was the SID there um, while I was coaching. So I had double roles and, and, and obviously um, just learning so much because at a small NAIA school in 1999, 
Um, you know, I was the, you know, I was the academic advisor. Um, I lined the fields. Um, I was the strength coach. In addition to being the coach, uh, I had a volunteer assistant. So basically, everything was on me. We drove vans, and you know, I drove the I drove the players. And so, um, to kind of get that experience, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think it really influenced who I am today. Is is that I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I think you know to be successful. And just because I I, I started at somewhere where that's what it took to be successful is you had to invest in yourself and believe in yourself, but, but be willing to do whatever it, you know, whatever it was, if it was cleaning the locker room or taping an ankle, um, that's, what I, that's what we did. And so um, I think that really influenced me and kind of, kind of created my coaching philosophy. And um, we didn't have a lot there and we became uh, very family orientated, I think, in our, in our program because that's, you know, we didn't have, like, we had each other. You know, I think that was the most important thing for us is we just didn't have a, you know, a lot of um, support. So we just kind of created this atmosphere to family. And uh, I found that's who really was true to who I was as a, as a coach. Because when you're a young coach, you start reading books about other coaches and you're really trying to emulate them. And, and I think you can find things from other coaches, and, 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 but eventually you got to find your own identity and what works for you. And I think that was kind of that evolving process for me is that I think starting off at Thomas University and having those hands-on experiences and really, you know, really being pretty much doing everything really helped me later on in my career kind of evolve to who I am today as a coach. Women's basketball and women's soccer have been huge sports. How has Title IX specifically impacted your respective sports from your opinion? I think just from a, a women's basketball standpoint, just the exposure and opportunity in itself. Um, just the opportunity to, to play and to get scholarships and to get an education and um, to, to, to play a sport and have an opportunity to do something that um, women like myself love and enjoy and have been passionate about. Um, and I, I, think, I think there's still a ways to go. Obviously, we've just celebrated you know, 50 years and whatnot, but there's been progress made, whether you're talking about the March Madness branding um, with the NCAA tournament, or you're simply talking about the, the teens going from 64 to 68. So when you talk about expansion from that standpoint, you're talking about exposure. You're giving these young women a platform to be able to express themselves in a way that allows them to show what they're passionate about. And so um, I'm incredibly thankful for it because obviously with Title IX, it's given me an opportunity to um, to play the sport that I love and then even coach. Um, so it extends far beyond just being able to play the sport, but in addition to it, being able to coach it and, and be a part of it. And so I think it's it's been great to see it. Obviously, there's still progress that we want to see it continue to push forward, but um, it has certainly helped in that aspect of it. As a youth in New Jersey, I didn't see a lot, even with Title IX passages, and I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately, just learning about those, those athletes prior to that and also during the time period, just getting that opportunity to participate. Um, but I didn't see a lot of female sports. And I, I mean, honestly, even through high school, you know, we had teens, obviously, but it was like there was still this emphasis on male sports, and even in the 80s and, and 90s. And so, but I don't think, you know, for me, um, the 99 group that won the World Cup for the U.S. Uh, women's uh, national soccer team was my first year in coaching. And what they did, Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy and Brandi Chastain and Tiffany Milbred and there's tons of others that really put U.S. soccer um, at the forefront, which is where we are today. You know, I always say we are so good at soccer in this country because of Title IX. Um, we had college soccer when no one else in the world was playing women's soccer. And we had, you know, other than maybe a handful of countries. And so we had this massive advantage for our female athletes to participate in our sport. Um, and that 99 group was like, 
it's kind of the culmination of that at that period of time because they, they you know, I, I, the great documentary was, that, you know, they wanted to have this in small venues and they were like, no, let's go into Giants Stadium. Let's go in the Rose Bowl. Let's show that people will come watch women's sports. And they did. They filled those places. Even to, I think they were nervous about it. They were not sure when they were driving to Giants Stadium and going, they, they, what was all this traffic for? And, you know, 75,000 people were coming to watch women play soccer. And that was my first year in college coaching. And so I think part of the reason our school started it was to kind of build off that momentum. Um, and, and for me, it was exciting because it was kind of like, okay, wow, women's soccer is really, you know, at this level in, the, in, the, in this country and people are willing to support it. And so um, I'm always, you know, remember that as being a, that our first training session was several weeks after they won the gold medal. And they put, um, I don't know what the capacity of the Rose Bowl is, but it's pretty big. Um, and they sold it out. And uh, the same thing with women's basketball. You're seeing these things now on, on TV and the softball and it's just, just different. But when I was growing up, those were hard to find. Even with, you know, players being allowed to be able to, you know, the support being there a little bit more to play. It was hard to find on TV. It was hard to find, you know, big crowds like we're seeing today. But I really think in women's soccer, that 99 group, Mia Ham and the rest of them really put it on the map and a whole, a whole generation of women's, female uh, girls playing soccer. What do you think about those women's basketball and women's soccer, specifically the sports, has made it possible for them to grow and to, you know, kind of have that strong, you know, unity within it? I think it's the, the, the young women who are representing the sport. I mean, I think it, it starts there with having a platform to, to, to speak about it and to advocate for it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is just I think we are at a stage right now where um, women are, are comfortable speaking out about what they feel as though is necessary in order to provide these opportunities and to um, to have these different types of exposure and I think that's where it starts it starts with the people who who make up these sports and that's and that's these young women who are um, who are using their power of influence um, to advocate and to to speak upon and and to really encourage other young women and even men for that matter to um, to really support the sport and I think that's um, that's big when you have the people who are most invested in it when when they have a vested interest and they have a love for it and then now they're comfortable enough to speak out and advocate um, I think that's where you get um, what you're seeing now is the uh, continued growth of the sport, the continued exposure, and um, so I think that's really where it starts. And there's so many more programs now, and not just at the Division One level, but D2, D3, NAIA, you know, junior college, just opportunities, right? And then I think that's, you know, like there again, being 52 years old, when I was younger, um, there wasn't as many opportunities like that. There wasn't like the opportunities to watch the College World Series and softball or watch the Final Four just on a Friday or, or Tuesday night, just turn on a game and be able to watch so many different women sports leagues play and, and uh, the college and professional level that wasn't available when I was younger. And, and, and like now you can watch so much of it, um, which I think is just going to keep on you know, making the game grow for all, for all women's athletics. But I think basketball and soccer in particular have really had that growth over the years. I think those two sports have had the, probably the most vocal influencers um, in, in, in terms of just that in itself and in terms of just kind of talking about the opportunities and exposure when I think about it. So it's like 
basketball and soccer, women professional um, professional athletes are just very vocal and um, okay and courageous about using their platform to kind of speak up about um, equality in their sports in general. So, I remember going one time going to watch someone play, and they, they, they the women trained at 11 o'clock at night on Friday because that's the only time they can get, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like. You gotta be kidding me, right? And but that was the time that they were allotted, and so nowadays it's, it's not like that. But like, there's still so much more ways to go. But I, I basically, I love the fact that she kept on reminding you guys that hey, you know, you know, a lot of people paved the way for you to be here today. I think that's awesome. I think that struggle too helps though, because it makes you appreciate sure. things more. Yeah. Like when when you real, realize and recognize that man, this is tough or we didn't have these opportunities or these opportunities, like you have to take a second sometimes to sit back and reflect upon how far we've come because it's easy to get complacent and think that this is how it's supposed to be. And, but it wasn't always like this. And so there's appreciation that also comes with it as well. I know that there was a, just from background on her, I don't know if it was when you, know, you were there necessarily, but there's some tough moments in her career with passing of family members and mm -hmm. um, went through some trying times. I think when, maybe when Rutgers played at Iowa, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was some, some other uh, personal thing that she had to deal with. Was there things like that that, you know, you saw her handle that you took and have used to help your own student athletes handle difficult times? Yeah, I mean, uh, she's 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 dealt with a lot of different things. Um, so I, I think uh, again for her, it was uh, a message of always being resilient and not allowing anyone to see you down or or your head down. Or you know, if if there's a will, there's a way. That's what she would always say. If there's a will, there's a way. And just trying to find a way to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish, and not allowing anyone or anything or any circumstance hold you from it. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a big lesson for me. And even with the amount of loss that she had, it was always a matter of doing something for someone else in memory of someone else. So there was always something at the forefront of her mind that allowed her to push through and persevere. And it made it always, it, it made it to the point where her message became, it's bigger than yourself. You're doing this for not only yourself, but for others or other young women um, that are coming after you. Katie, for Eric, you know, coaching women's soccer as a male, uh, what are some of the things that you've learned or had your perspective changed on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously you're a male in, in, in female sports, and so I guess the question for you is, you know, how are you able to, to lead effectively and, and find ways to establish the connections and the relationships that you have with your female athletes? Prior to coaching college, I had never coached females. And, um, you know, and I never really thought about the difference, honestly, when I first started coaching. If there was a difference, you know, I, I, I coached, I had, I coached boys high school, I coached boys club. I, my first involvement was a volunteer assistant on a men's college team, and then all of a sudden I'm a head coach at 28 years old of a women's team. Um, but I found quickly it fit my personality. I was one thing, I, was, I, I just related better. I think guys can be, a, you know, I, I, I found women easier to coach. They wanted to learn, they were willing to learn. Guys. Sometimes know it all, you know. I think the women really wanted to learn, but like what I learned real off the bat is the most important thing is building relationships and, and then them knowing that you care about them. I think that's a huge difference. I think that's where a lot of coaches fail is they look at the X's and O's and they look at the player, but they don't know the person. And so I think I've really learned a lot as I grew in that role was they needed to know that I care about them like they're a daughter of mine. 
And I think that's where I kind of, kind of that, that, that time again at Thomas where I had, had a hands-on and I dealt with a lot of issues and dealt with academic you know, issues or personal issues. And they trusted me to tell me as a male a lot of these things that a lot of people would say we wouldn't you know, feel comfortable discussing. But I think it really helped my career. And so I really understood a lot of different dynamics between coaching men and women. But I don't, you know, as far as the player and coaching them, they want to be taught, they want to be coached, they want to be pushed, they want, they want those same things, but they got to know you care about them. And I think that's really where um, I found that, you know, that was Im important for me to, to, to pick up on that. I mean, the other thing that I really, you know, I've never, you know, forgotten or never forget that I'm a male coaching women, you know, and um, with that said, um, I've always tried to, um, you know, I feel like current assistant Morgan Lucky here played for me um, at my school and she wanted to get involved in coaching and I saw something in her that she had a passion for it. I'm just trying to get more female coaches involved in the, in, in the game. Um, we still have a long way to go in, in that, um, especially at the club level. Um, you know, we need to get more females coaching club sports and, and, and getting involved and getting experience. But my other assistant Armstrong now is a head coach as well. And um, you're really just trying to help them and help them grow as coaches and create their own identity as coaches. Um, and, then, and, and then go out into the same profession that I've been so fortunate to work at. But, you know, it's, it's like I said, it, was, it wasn't, you know, for me, it was like, here, you're, you're a coach of a woman's team. And then I'm like, okay, well, but I never thought about it that way. And, you know, it just kind of evolved a little bit, but I picked up really quickly about, you know, building those personal relationships and knowing that, um, you know, if they have a test or they're working on a special project and or something's going on in their family if i know those things and i and, and they know that i care and it's sincere um that you can get a lot out of people that way i think you can get a lot of anybody that way but i think that's really what's kind of my philosophy has always been is just trying to really just invest um and but always being understanding that i'm a male coaching female athletes and i'm fortunate to do so but i personally would love to see more female coaches um, and it, it's much better than when I first started. It was rare that I coached against a female coach when I first started. Um, and, and now it's, it's common, but it should be even more common than it is. But I think we, but as more players play and more people get experience and want to get involved in the coaching, um, hopefully that will continue to change. Uh, as, you know, both of your sports, women's basketball and women's soccer, what are some areas uh, within the game that uh, need improvement that you think can be addressed? In regards to in regards to publicity of the sport, in regards to opportunity of the sport, in regards to broadcast availability, in regards to marketing availability, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, just exposure. I yeah. think it's just that it's gotten better, but it's 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 exposure. I mean, if you if you take for instance, um, you know, last yesterday, or I don't I don't know when the ESPYS were, but you know, Leah Boston was Defensive Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, and she wasn't in, invited to the ESPYS, you know. And so just that exposure of being able to um, put to the forefront uh, women's basketball players or, or athletes in general that are doing well and that are excelling. And so I think it's, it's the exposure to it and the opportunity um, to really be able to broadcast what in all the sport has to offer. And not so much the sports, but these young ladies are, are great people as well, doing great things. And um, so I think just providing a platform um, for them to be exposed and to be exposed to the, to the outer world is, is important and is necessary for the growth. 
Yeah, I think you know, getting young people to start, especially young females, to start watching the leagues play. I think it's such a, so important. It's like I'm always talking. Like I, every time there's a game, I'm like, hey, there's a game on tonight, or you know, these, there's five games on today. You can watch because I think that's important. Um, you know, if we're going to grow it, um, you know, the, the sports. I think supporting that, obviously, from the media side of it, is you know, is is more viewership, um, more game attendance. You know, those type of things. It's you know, I think that's one. It's a kind of a fight. I don't know how it is in basketball, but like in soccer, a lot of young female soccer players don't watch the game and it's like just trying to encourage them to watch the game and encourage them to watch women's soccer as well I think is, is important but like you know this is summer you're just looking at the opportunities that some of my former players I had that didn't exist um, 20 years ago um, you know I, I, one of our current players is playing um, her father's Peruvian she's from Jacksonville she's playing for Peru's national team Peru's national team is very very young it's just starting there. It's not been around for a long time, and she's part of that now, and she's young and, and part of that. And I'm excited to see what she can do over the next 10 years because I think she's going to have a long career with the Peruvian national team. Um, you know, and that's pretty exciting because for their country, that's kind of the it's a grassroots still. They're still trying to play catch up, whereas some other areas of the world, in, in Europe and the United States and Canada, they've been playing longer. And so I think that's really neat. And I kind of I thought about that the other day when we we're, were discussing about doing this. Is like she's she's making an impact on young players in her country or, or, or her dad's where her dad's from, her, um, that are going to emulate her and want to play um, women's soccer in Peru, as young girls did here that wanted to be the next Mia Hamm, or the next um, Cheryl Miller or something like you know like you go, I'm going back a ways right but but that, but, <laughs> but but I think that's that, that was the right she was she was she was she was a great player. And that, you know, and, but now I know, you know, I know a lot more players, but when I was young, that would be maybe the only play, basketball player I can name was Cheryl Miller, right? But now I understand there's, there's, you know, there's so many more. But just, it's, it's there, it's on TV, and I, and I see certain things, um, you know, certain sports like the college uh, softball and the ratings they got this year. And you're like, wow. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I you know, they did better than the, men, the men's side. Um, you know, in, in that. But then you start to see that in some of the things that we didn't know about, you know, the different treatment between the women's tournament, between the men and the women, the setup and the games, or, you know, at Division II level where the women always play the 5.30 game and the men always play the 7 o'clock game, and, and, what, and our conference flipped that and started doing it um, every other game or, you know, making sure that wasn't always the case. You know, why those decisions are being made and what can we continue to, to move that to the forefront. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's... It's it's been it's 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 neat to see where it's going, you know. But also knowing there's so much work to still be done um, on that side, and just encouraging our student athletes or young people we encounter to keep on pushing that envelope, keep on fighting that fight, and and, and continue for that growth. But support it as well, because you know you want to talk about equal pay and all those things. You have to support it as well. You got to watch it. You got to go to the games. You got to buy the jerseys. You got to do all those things. So those things are going to happen. Those things should happen anyway. But I think the more you can, you can you can support it and watch it, and uh, the more young people can emulate some of those players and say I can be that someday or whatever they want to be, um, not just in sport but just in, in anything professionally they like to get into. I think that's a great point um, in terms of just watching it because it's a it's an issue that we find too when we're talking to recruits. It's like or even. Even when I said to them initially, when I was doing um, the whole SWOT analysis, I was like, you could give me an NBA or a WNBA player. And half of them gave me an NBA player. And so I was like, okay, okay, no, no more, no more. We got to go give me a WNBA player. And it was hard for them. And then they may have picked someone. And then I go, okay, well, why are you picking that person? 
Well, and you can't really tell me because they're not really watching. And so um, I, I think that's a, a great point in terms of we have to be able to, to watch it. You know, our, our young people have to be able to, to watch it and understand it a little bit more. And um, even from a growth standpoint, even just expansion, you talk about the WNBA and opportunities, it's 144 roster spots, 12 teams. Like, it's, it's so much more talent out there. And so um, it's unfortunate because, you know, you know our, our women are having to go overseas and then play, you know, a whole year, calendar year, to make a, a, to make a living. And that's, it's just tough. And so, um, you know, that's where the, the opportunities come from, just in terms of expansion and, and being able to create. Um, but you even look at though 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, there, there wasn't those leagues, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and um, there wasn't, you couldn't find it on, you know, on mainstream you know, TV, ABC, ESPN, you know, you can see those things now. So it come, like I said, it's just a short period of time and that opportunities are growing and I'm, I'm curious what it'll look like, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, um, you know, where we're going to be with it. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's an interesting part too, just ESPN Plus and ESPN 3, I mean, really wasn't even a thing right. until right. 2009 or so. Yeah. And that's kind of, that provides that Absolutely. streamlined experience because yeah. otherwise you have X number of channels and Sure. I mean, you could literally, right? You could literally watch any. Yes. If I want to watch a women's basketball game on a Wednesday, I could pretty much watch anyone I wanted to watch that's playing that day now, which was wasn't possible at one point. And that's just created that, you know, more and more because again, like you know, when I was younger, it was a certain school that got on TV, right? Um, you know, and that. Um, you know, you talked about Linda Hamilton. You know, when they won and came back, no one even knew. I mean, they came back to, it wasn't, it wasn't, no one talked about it, you know, they came back to no fanfare. And then that short period of time, you know, you know, go from early 90s to 99, and all of a sudden you're filling the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I think, that, I think soccer was a huge part of really moving the needle in women's athletics um, forward from that, from that point on. And I think, you know, I, th those, those women really, really had a lot to do with that. Um, some of them knew it was like to come off an airplane winning a, winning a world championship and no one be there and no one from the media be there <laughs> or have a post-game press conference after winning world championship and there's like one reporter, you know, it's a different, it's different now. And it's, it is the intersectionality of the internet and technology mm -hmm. and visibility, a lot of it too, because even then, sure, dial up internet, sure. but there's now a computer and people have one in their homes. Yeah, and absolutely. And just, you know, social media has allowed to hear more stories, right? If you, 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 you learn a lot bit more about people, you know their stories more, you feel like you get to know them a little bit better. So it's just, it's just, it's just different, you know? But um, it's, it's, you know, I, I've been really just trying to pay attention to a lot of the stuff that's been put on the last couple of months about Title IX. Um, and, you know, I watched, a, I think, on rowing the other day, I think of the Ivy League school and these rowers and how they would, how to get through just to be able to row and get the right equipment. And, like, there was a lot of people that fought very, seemed like small battles at the time, which are so large battles, and, and, and had success to, to give us the opportunity to do what we do. That's what that appreciation comes from, right? Recognizing the history um, and, and kind of where we've come from and whose shoulders and backs we're standing on right now and, and trying to maximize our opportunities and making sure that we in the position that we're in don't take, um, take that for granted. But then it's also on us to make sure that we're educating the young ladies that we're coaching as well to make sure that they have a clear understanding of kind of where we've been, where we're at, and then obviously where we're trying to go. Whether or not you want to be, end up being ambassadors mm -hmm. of a sport, of, of a profession. Um, 
just want to thank you guys uh, for, for talking today about, about Title IX and about your experiences um, and the profession. Me. It was good to get your insights uh, on this. Anything else that you guys want to share? No, I just think it's, uh, first of all, thanks for having us. I enjoyed the conversation and, uh, you know, played for a legend, you know. No, it's great. And, like, it's, like, for me, just it's been, you know, introduced to two year, when I was two years old, you know, um, and to kind of see the difference as my life as watching someone who loves sports and just evolving. Um, you know, I, I probably watch more women's sports than I watch men's sports. I just, uh, yeah, I, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, 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 I find it, I, I really enjoy it, you know, um, and I'm just trying to obviously encourage other people to kind of, hey, let's, let's continue to support this because it, we got still, you know, a long way to go with it. Um, but uh, so much has been, since, since, I've, since I've been around, so much has changed to the positive, so. Yeah, I'm just, I'm fortunate. Um, I, again, I, I wasn't around, kind of, when the opportunities necessarily or were so weren't here. Um, so I just, I try to make sure that I operate in, in gratitude and, uh, again, continue to educate the young woman that, um, that I influence right now and that I'm around right now. And um, as Coach mentioned, um, you know, still a long ways to go. Um, but, you know, want to take a moment and, and recognize how far we have come. Um, and so appreciate the opportunity. It's been great talking with you Absolutely. as well, Coach. And I think the important part is continuing to have the conversation, continuing to bring it to the fore uh, forefront. And um, people um, who are in a, 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 a situation of influence just being able to use their platform and keep the conversation alive.